0: Welcome to Winning at Wealth, where we throw the Wall Street jargon in the garbage, promote a healthy money mindset, and equip you with the tools necessary for you to win at wealth. I'm your host, John Burdett, and I'm so excited you've decided to spend this time with me. Now let's get to it.
1: The following program is sponsored by 4th Avenue Financial, which is solely responsible for its content. John K. Burdett II is not providing investment, legal, or tax advice.
0: All right. Welcome. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We are going to answer one of the questions I get quite a bit as a financial advisor, and that's, hey, John, how do you invest your own money? And so I thought I'd cover that. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of all the individual securities that I own and that sort of thing. We're going to get a 30,000-foot view, but I think we can answer a lot of those questions at that distance for sure. So I have investments that might not be what you'd think that I would have as a financial advisor. I certainly have traditional investments, stocks and bonds, things of that nature. But really, I break my investments down into three categories. I have traditional stocks and bonds. I have real estate and a real estate company that I invest in. And I'm also a business owner of a financial advisory practice. And I look at that as an investment that I hold as well because that has value and I reinvest in that to try to make that grow. I think if you're out there and you are self-employed, it's very important to separate the role you perform inside your business from being a business owner because those are two separate roles. And I've always been able to do that in my financial advisory practice. And I think that's one of the keys that has led to some of the success that I've had. So in other words, I pay myself from my business like I work as an employee, like I would pay an employee in the business as a financial advisor. So I get a paycheck based on my production as a financial advisor. That means that the business itself is retaining money that I'm not stripping out of the business as income, which enables me to reinvest into the business to grow the business. I think of a lot of small business owners, they look at it, well, this is all my profit and I strip it out. But that makes it very difficult to grow the business because you don't have the capital necessary to keep reinvesting in the business. And so I've already separated those two roles. Now that doesn't mean as an owner, you don't get paid. You know, at the end of the year, if you're profitable, you can take bonuses and things of that nature. But all through the year, I'm paying myself as a financial advisor separate from being a business owner. And I'm reinvesting in lots of different things within that business to make sure that it has the resources it needs to be productive and grow. So if you're a small business owner out there, I would encourage you to think about that that way. You know, you are wearing two separate hats. You are a business owner. And also you have the job of the function you're performing within the business. So as far as investment goes, that's probably the first decision and the first investment I made into my own business. And of course, you have to have success some way in earning income to be able to generate the capital necessary to invest in other places. The second place that I began to invest was in real estate. My wife and I decided that, hey, it makes sense to buy some rental property and to flip some houses and things of that nature early on. I think for us, it was a relatively easy way to start making investments because it required relatively little capital to control larger investments because you only needed the down payments and such to start purchasing real estate. And we started out flipping some houses and then we went into rental, bought some houses for rental and apartment buildings, that sort of thing, and kind of allowed that to compound. Now, I think it's important also to know that that investment is not a passive investment. Real estate, especially if you watch online, it seems like almost magic and it is not, in my experience, it doesn't work quite the way it's advertised sometimes on these short clips you see in the internet. There's a lot of work involved. It's not a passive investment. And, you know, folks say, well, why are you not investing in the stock market versus real estate? Well, I do both, but in the real estate, I expect to get a better return because of the fact that it is not a passive investment. I expect a better return because I'm putting some of my time into it to make that investment pay off. And I want a return for my time. Otherwise I'd put it in the stock market and I'd let it grow passively and I wouldn't have to do anything. But I can tell you, early on when we started buying real estate, you know, there'd be many times I'd be out there changing the faucet out while the family's watching American Idol over there. And in the meantime, I'm still paying for the building. I don't have very much income coming in from it. So there's a lot of labor up front in that. Now, 15 years later, the building's paid for. There's a great cash flow from it, and it's been a wonderful investment. But those investments did not pay off for years and years and years. There was more work than there was income. And you have to have the long-term view on that real estate, in my experience, to make that work. There are lots of folks out there advertising get rich quick in real estate, and I'm sure that some things are possible. But in my experience, buying good properties, good areas, looking for opportunity, purchasing right, and putting in the work and being patient is how those investments paid off, and they have paid off very, very well over the course of the last 15 or 20 years that we have been doing that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to begin posting on our Winning at Wealth podcast Instagram page and also the Winning at Wealth Facebook page. Some of the videos, some pictures of projects that we're into on real estate. So follow us there if you have an interest in real estate and you learn a little bit about the projects that I'm doing and some of the good and the bad and the ugly that goes along with those real estate investments. And then finally, I particularly buy stocks. I'm a fairly aggressive investor in stocks rather than bonds. I feel like I'm young enough that if there's volatility in the market, if there's a downturn like we're in right now, it really doesn't matter to me. The market will be fine over time and I have the time to wait it out. So I'm fairly aggressive with investments. Now, I have a 401k and a profit sharing plan that I fund here from the company, which allows me to put a significant amount of money away in the retirement plan that I have here at work. I believe this year it's sixty-two dollars or $63,000 that can be put in there. And I do try to max that out every single year for the last several years. So I accumulate, you know, a traditional retirement like many folks do in their 401k. I'm picking in that investment. It's mostly mutual funds and it's mostly stock-based mutual funds. I keep it diversified. I try to own large cap, small cap, growth, value, international, and I keep that in balance. But I don't overmanage it a matter of fact, I look at the statement once or twice a year. It's sort of a set it and forget it. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about the stock market. I'm just worried that I get it funded every year so that it can do its thing over time. And I trust that it will. As I get closer to retirement, 10, 15 years from now, I will probably moderate those investments a little bit. But right now, I'm aggressive and I'm not really paying attention to the day-to-day fluctuations or value of that, and I think over time I'm going to be the right way to approach that. Also, I have a taxable account, a brokerage account, that, when I have an extra 10 or 15,000 dollars and I want to buy something, I'll usually buy an individual stock that I pick out, and I've kind of, over time, built a collection of high-quality stocks that I own for the long term. I have some stocks that I've owned for 7, 8, 10 years that have multiplied many, many times over. I try to find companies that are tried and true. I don't try to hit a home run. I just try to buy a quality company that I can be comfortable with and know that it's going to be out there doing its job while I'm doing mine. And there again, I don't watch it. I don't check the fluctuations from day to day. I do try to pay more attention because they are individual companies As far as the performance of the company and what's going on with the company, I try to understand the investment in the company a little more than I would in a mutual fund investment. You know, in a mutual fund, you have hired managers to make those decisions when you're buying individual stocks. It's up to you to evaluate those companies. So there's a little more work with the individual companies. And I would not recommend that if you do not have kind of enough money to diversify But I kind of like owning individual companies and learning about the companies and feeling like I'm an owner in those companies that I purchase. And like I say, I try to keep that diversified as well. So if I've bought consumer stocks, I might buy some sort of a technology stock the next time I buy, or I may buy, you know, an energy company the next time I buy. So I try to diversify across different industries as I build out that portfolio. But essentially, I'm using the extra money that I'm generating above and beyond what I'm putting in my 401k when I accumulate it. That's where I put the money. If I don't have an individual stock that I want to buy, there are investments that I'll do in that taxable account called unit investment trusts. And those are termed portfolios that might have 25 or 30 different companies that have been screened out to meet certain criteria. Sometimes I'll purchase those in that taxable account They are more tax efficient than a mutual fund. And I still get to know that, hey, I'm buying these companies and I'm seeing those names there. I really like seeing the names of the investments and the companies that I own. I just feel more connected that way. And those unit investment trusts allow me to do that and stay diversified and have the better tax treatment than a mutual fund provides in a taxable account. I will probably talk more about the taxability of investments in future episodes, but. You know, in your tax deferred accounts, 401ks, things of that, IRAs like that, you know, mutual funds are an excellent tool to diversify and accumulate investments. In a taxable account where you're paying taxes on it, and getting 1099s for the income, I'm not a big fan of mutual funds in a taxable setting. So that's why I go with the individual stocks, you know, investment trusts, things of that nature. They prove to be more tax efficient over time. As things have matured for me, particularly in the real estate, we've been doing that now for getting close to 20 years. So many of the things that we've purchased are beginning to be paid off and provide a lot more cash flow. And there's a lot of equity that's been built up in these properties over time. So now I've been able to go out and use that equity to establish relatively sizable lines of credit that when I do a project now, I don't have to use my own money for it. You know, we can go out and say, oh, here's a property that needs some rehab. Go in, you can offer cash like for closing, so you don't have to go through the loan process because it's coming right off the line of credit. It streamlines the process. You're much more likely to have a seller say, hey, that sounds like a good deal because they don't have to worry about a loan coming through and you can close very quickly on deals. So sometimes you can get a little better deal that way. And then we do the rehab using the line of credit for the materials and the labor to fix those projects up. And then at the end, we can decide, do we want to sell this property? And if so, we would sell the property and then pay off the line of credit. And then you have the profit left over, hopefully. Not all deals work out the way you want, but hopefully you have some profit left over after that transaction is done. Or we decide, hey, this is a good property. We want to keep it at which point we would stabilize the property, get a tenant in there, get the income coming in, and then we would refinance that property and pay off the line of credit so it's available for the next project. And when we do real estate deals, we're always doing 15-year mortgages on those. If a deal can't be done and it doesn't make sense cash flow wise for a 15-year mortgage, then it's probably not a good deal in my opinion. So we don't mess with financing things over 20, 30 years We're looking to buy quality properties. We're looking to own them for a long period of time, manage them properly, and allow them to pay themselves off. That's how we handle those real estate investments. And that's proven to be a very, very good way for us in building our wealth has been the real estate. But there again, it's one of those things that it is not get rich quick. It is get rich slow, and it's get rich with putting some work and labor into it. There's no magic bullet, in my experience, in building wealth and winning at wealth. It requires some effort. You know, it's not an exorbitant amount of effort when you look at the reward, but there aren't too many magic bullets out there, in my experience. You have to do the work, put the work in, be smart about the decisions you make, and inevitably, the positive outcomes tend to happen if you're willing to put that work in. So I hope that helps kind of answer broadly the investments we make. Like I say, if you follow us on the Instagram or Facebook page, I'm going to post more about these things over time and the projects we do. We're in the middle right now of a single family home that we bought that was torn down to the studs. Somebody was in the middle of trying to fix it up and they just got frustrated and quit in the middle of it. So we swooped in and picked it up and have a crew working on it right now to turn that over. I'm going to have a lot of good videos of the whole process that we've had there. Talk a little bit about one of the troubles we've had with a neighbor, you know, all kinds of things that, you know, you don't think of when you're thinking of buying real estate. The good, the bad, and the ugly, like I say, that comes with that real estate. We're going to try to expose that in some of these videos. So if you have an idea of getting into that, you'll know what you're looking at and what problems you might face. We're also just put an offer in and now have a contract on a commercial building. It's our first endeavor into commercial property. And that should be an interesting thing to follow as well. So, at any rate, I appreciate you listening today. Like I say, please follow us on the Instagram and Facebook, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Winning at Wealth podcast today. I'm John Burdett, your host, and I'd like to introduce you to the Winning at Wealth system. You can join the many others that have made the decision to take control of their financial life. You'll find resources and the support you need to write your own Winning at Wealth story. The Winning at Wealth system includes resources to answer questions on budgeting, debt management, savings, investments, insurance, real estate, and much more. You'll discover how money really works so you can have the proper perspective to make great financial decisions. The Winning at Wealth system also includes access to a private community and a monthly group Zoom with me. Take your Winning at Wealth step today for only $297 for the system and three-month access to the private community. Join at winningatwealth.com. Meanwhile, you can find me at Winning at Wealth Podcast on Instagram, and I'll be back to chat here next week.
1: The preceding program is sponsored by 4th Avenue Financial, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through JW Cole Financial Member, FINRA, SIPIC, investment advice offered through JW Cole Advisors, Fourth Avenue Financial, JW Cole Financial, and JW Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by John K. Burdett II should not be construed as specific investment, legal, or tax advice. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. Investing may involve the risk of loss of principal. Any tax advice on this show is not intended to be used by any person for the purpose of avoiding U.S. federal or state tax penalties that may be imposed on such person, and each listener should seek advice. From their tax advisor or legal counsel on topics that arise from the show. John K. Burnett II is not providing legal or tax advice. Nothing should be construed as a solicitation of an offer to buy securities.